It's lovely to see you this morning, and uh, thank you for those who are joining us at home as well. And um, just before I start, I'd just love us to uh, see Margaret Holland there. Margaret won't mind me saying I'm sure that she celebrates her 90th birthday this Wednesday. I think we should give Margaret a round of applause. Happy birthday, Margaret. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you that you love us deeply. Thank you that we're yours. We're your children adopted by grace into your family. Strengthen us by the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Speak to us afresh. We thank you, Lord, for how you've been speaking to us. And Lord, through the opportunity of reading the New Testament in these weeks, we just thank you, Lord, for how you continue to remind us of your goodness that you're in control, that you have a plan, Lord, that goodness and grace and love and peace will expand and abound, that your kingdom will grow in an unstoppable way. Lord, we look forward to that day when everything is brought to completion. And we pray, Lord, in the midst of the moments of darkness, difficulty and doubt and challenge. Lord, that you keep us with our eyes fixed on you. Lord Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith, the, the ground of our trust, the companion on this journey. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So in that reading that we had today from 2 Corinthians, Paul's second letter that we know of or certainly have a copy of to the Corinthians. And just a bit of background to it. Quite often whenever people came to faith from a Jewish background in the early church, they were cut off from their family. They were cut off from society. They were cut off from the temple. And often they were cut off from all forms of employment. So it was a big step whenever you took the decision to, be a, to become a follower of the Messiah, to become a follower of Jesus Christ. Because it could well have meant, if you were a Jewish believer in Judea or Jerusalem, that you were stepping into a place of the unknown, that all of your security, your inheritance, your place in, your, in the will was probably cut off at that moment. And so it was a big decision. And so among the Jewish believers in Jerusalem, there was often a great deal of poverty. That's why whenever we read in the start of Acts about Barnabas, known as the son of encouragement, who sold a field in order to give it to the church in Jerusalem, he was going to be feeding the people around him who called him the son of encouragement. We've even seen in our own church life over these last number of months a young man from a Muslim background be baptized in this church. And to encounter a young man who has left behind family and work and country and culture and security and stepped into a new place, a new faith, and a new life, pretty much with just the clothes on his back. So it still continues today, throughout the world, when people come into a place of faith in Jesus Christ, 
but quite often they're leaving behind their inheritance, their security, both financial and social. And so, as Paul moves throughout the Gentile world and people come to faith in Jesus Christ, he realizes because of the situation in Jerusalem and also because a severe famine hit the Roman world in 46 AD that made matters much worse. And so there is acute poverty in the church. They are spiritually rich, but they are financially very poor. And so as Paul moves around the churches and encounters, for instance, in Corinth, he, he encounters a well-off people. He encourages them to give financially so that he can collect that and send people back to Jerusalem to feed the church in Jerusalem. So first of all, the church in Corinth says, we want to respond to this. We want to feed our brothers and sisters in Christ. We have, we have come into this place where we realize that we're loved by our heavenly Father. We're part of the family of God. We've been made spiritually rich for now and all eternity, and so we want to bring a blessing to those who are our fathers in the faith, as it were, the Christian community in Jerusalem. But a year has gone by, and they haven't got round to actually gathering the collection and giving. But meanwhile, the church in Macedonia, and in Macedonia, the people there who are believers are actually also very poor. But they hear that the church in Corinth is giving this gift and sending this gift to Jerusalem, and so they actually plead with Paul to be able to give. At first, he says, I don't want you to do that because he knows that they themselves are poverty-stricken, but they plead with him. And so eventually Paul says, okay, you can give, and they give, Paul says, even beyond what they were able to give. And so then he writes to the church in Corinth, and he says, I'm not commanding you to give, but I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of other churches. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, so that His poverty, through His poverty, He could make you rich. It isn't just Paul who was watching how the Corinthians responded. So too was the risen Lord Jesus Christ. In the account of the poor widow in Mark chapter 12, we read that Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. This is the equivalent that whenever we are uh, doing our standing order or whenever we are putting money into the plate, that Jesus would walk around and watch what each of us are putting into the plate. Jesus deliberately sat and watched what people were giving. He took time with His disciples to sit and watch, I imagine for hours, what people were putting into the collection box in the temple. And the reality is that God knows everything about our lives. And one of the things that interests Him most is how we handle money. We are those who have been given the responsibility to rule over creation in God's strength. We are His money managers. God has access to all our accounts. He doesn't need the passwords. He can see whatever we do with all that He has given us. So, this morning I want to talk a bit about 
generosity. But before I do that, I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for the generosity that you express, I'm sure, to many people and also to this church over many months and many years. And on behalf of the church here, locally and Bangor Parish Church, thank you for all that you give. Generous giving is important because at its most basic level, it supports the local church. And as a local church, we want to not only look after our buildings and to pay our bills, but to support people locally and globally, and also to support the church family. But hopefully you've seen that over these last several years particularly, all we've been trying to do as a church family is to seek as much as we can to bless those who are outside this place. One example of this is a great photograph, we could perhaps have it up just that I received on over the weekend, Friday or Saturday. It's a photograph of the principal of Bangor Central Integrated Primary School just across the way. This is Peter Campbell. And I'll just say a big thank you to those uh, from this church and also others who from First Bangor Presbyterian Church produced lots of baked goods and they were delivered by Mark and uh, Maracena uh, to, the, to the school on Friday just before their half-term break. And that's because we became aware that as in many different schools, many different educators, this has been a very difficult time. It's been a very difficult time for retailers, for business people, for families, for those working charity. Uh, it's, it's been a very difficult time for everybody. But one of the ways that we realized that our, our local school needed encouragement was just to say that someone would say to the teachers, particularly over a very difficult year and a half, but particularly over this last half term, whenever they were doing so many tests, sending so many pupils home, trying to teach online and in person, and there was a level of exhaustion, as there are in schools throughout the land. So how can we bless those teachers and notice what they're doing and say thank you? This is the type of thing that we want to do as a church. So thank you to those who baked, thank you to Mark who gathered the collection together, and thank you uh, to those who uh, have participated in all of this. Bumble and Bounce also is another thing that just happened over the course of the last week. What happens is that the whole church here is the ch chairs are reorientated, and it's been fantastic. Over these last few weeks, we have had, um, I'd say, 50 different family units have come in over the course of the last few weeks with their preschool children, and Mark has led them in uh, nursery rhymes, in Christian songs, in activities. And uh, it's just fantastic to see the moms and the parents and the grandparents bring their preschool children and see the community buzz that is happening. I imagine that 80% of the people who come we have never seen before. We've got a bright light party this Saturday. Um, I think there are about 
50 to 60 people signed up for that. Again, I would say that probably 80% of the people here are coming we've never met before. We don't recognize their names. What we're trying to do as a church increasingly is to serve not ourselves, but to serve the people who are out there. In that, we, we need to support the prayer and the pastor work and the teaching and the buildings and the insurance bills and everything else that goes on at the same time. But what we're seeking to do, and I believe impelled by the power of the Holy Spirit, is to be those who receive the goodness of God and pass it on to other people. Giving generously supports the church. Giving generously also shows our trustworthiness. In Luke 16, Jesus says, if you are trustworthy about worldly wealth, you will who will, if, if you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches of heaven? God has given us bodies and He's given us money in order to see how we worship Him. The reason why God has given us the sacraments of the church is to recognize the fact that we are embodied spirits. And the reason why the Lord has given us a body and the reason why we live in a world that has a material aspect to it is so that He can see how we respond to His love for us. It's our way of showing love to Him. And so a question that is really important for us all, I think, and also a question that's really important for me to ask myself is, can the Lord trust me with true riches? Can the Lord trust me with the gift of the Holy Spirit? Can the Lord trust me with the gifts of the Holy Spirit? How we use our money shows our trustworthiness to God. And if we desire to step into a place where we move increasingly with the authority and the power of the Holy Spirit, one of the key areas of our lives that God will be watching it's how we use our time, how we use our influence, and how we use our love, and how we use our money. Because that will be the indicator to the Father as to whether it's safe to put real power into our hands, the power of the Holy Spirit. Giving generously also strengthens our minds. Over these last weeks, We've been reflecting on that verse, a verse that we'll read in our Immerse series this week. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. This is about cultivating generosity. Our state of mind and our generosity of heart are totally intertwined. Jesus said, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That is why I tell you, do not worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. 
Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? One of the great dangers, I think, of this pandemic is that fear would rise up in us and that we would revert to a way of living and thinking that we've left behind years ago. That in terms of health, in terms of finance, that we would draw up the drawbridges of our lives and not to seek to live according to that words of that hymn. There's a, a wideness in God's mercy. And the impact of that will not just be social, it'll not just be spiritual, it will also be mental. In the parable of the sower, Jesus talks about how do we go on to greater fruitfulness of the kingdom of God. And some of the things that he says that can be a real barrier to doing that are the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth and the cares of this world. I always find it a real challenge to speak about financial giving. But I was convicted in recent weeks. And looking at that verse, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. That one of the most important ways that we can do that is to live lives where we don't put our trust in the things that we can see, taste, smell, and touch. But we continue to place our trust in God, our Heavenly Father. And I know in my own life, and I trust and believe because of what the Bible says, it'll be true in your life too. That one of the most powerful ways to develop mental resilience in our life is to take steps to become increasingly generous. And I'm not just talking about giving to the church family. I'm talking about living a life of generosity every moment of every hour of every day with our time, with our love, with our influence, with our words, as well as with our possessions and with our home and with our money. There are a few things more powerful that we can do to bring peace of mind than to say, do you know what? I am not going to put my faith in the bottom line of my bank account. I'm going to put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Giving generously also sows for multiplication. An author, Craig Rochelle, says, whatever we keep is all we have, but whatever we give, God multiplies. That's the story of the New Testament. It's the story of Jesus Christ. I was really encouraged in seeing some of the responses that we've seen over the course 
of this We Are With You project and so many of the things that we have said um, have not been recorded or we've heard have not been recorded because they were said just on the doorstep between those who were visiting and those who were receiving. We saw that little video last week that said one comment was, I just had to contact you to express my sheer joy in receiving one of your hope boxes. Another one said, it made me smile. Another said, your visit meant a lot to me. The fact is, whenever we put ourselves and all that we have into the hands of God, God does miraculous things. He brings about multiplication. And one of the things that He multiplies most is joy. As Paul says to those who are in Corinth, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And he also says that because you have done this, not only will you be enriched, but the people to whom you give will also thank God. God brings around multiplication, multiplication of joy, and he pours out his Holy Spirit into us to enable us to do that. And I believe we discover that we can never outgive God. So this week, I encourage you not only to read your Bible, but to read your bank statement. And to prayerfully ask the one to whom it all belongs, Lord, am I giving generously? And also to reflect on our time, our influence, our love, and to ask the Lord, Father, am I giving generously? Remembering this, as Paul says, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all that you need then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. The last thing I'd want you to do in these days ahead is to feel pressurized in any way to give or to change the way that you give. But I do encourage each of us to pray and to ask the Lord to speak to us. I've been challenged over these weeks in reading Acts of the Apostles, Luke, First and Second Corinthians, just how much generosity there was in the church, just how much joy there was in the church, just how much feeding of the hungry there was in the church just how much power there was in the church. One rule of thumb that was given to me years ago, I thought was helpful whenever I was wrestling with this, as I continue to do, was to think of an amount 
to give away. And then keep increasing it until it seems too much. Until you sense there is an ouch. And then to stop. King David said, I will not give to the Lord that which will cost me nothing. But I also wanted to encourage us to give reasonably. To give what you can give. Not to cause yourself to need financial support. All of us are aware of the rising costs of energy and many other products. Also want us to think about actually giving or actually amending our giving. I know for myself, and the same may be true for you, there are times in life whenever I've seen need and thought about it and intended to give, but never actually did. So Guy Fawkes Day night is coming up. Remember, remember the 5th of November. I encourage you to do all of this before the 5th of November. And so we give ourselves to the Lord who gave himself completely for us. We give cheerfully and we give knowing that if we do so in the right way to honor God, then the result will be joy and joy and joy. It'll be a new level of joy and freedom for ourselves. In that I believe there will be a fresh peace of mind. And it will also bring joy to many others. I'm delighted to say that every year we, we give away thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds to need globally and locally. We give tens of thousands of pounds away every year overseas to organizations like South American Mission Society supporting their work of people in the northern Argentina in the jungle area, to Tear Fund, to Storehouse, to Christians Against Poverty. I think there may be 20 or 30 different organizations and mission organizations that we give to every year. In the last year, we have moved to a whole new level of giving to the community. Much of our staff time goes on being outward focused into the community. And that means that then Mark and Johnny and others seek to mobilize us and galvanize us so that we can go out and we can give away thousands of pounds worth of tea and coffee and chocolate into the community. So we can run a bumble and bounce. So we can do all sorts of things to bless people overseas and to bless them locally. My hope, my prayer, is that we will continue as a church to grow in generosity and that people far away from here and people close to here, even in just the streets around us, 
will continue to say the type of things that we've heard in these last months. We really appreciate what you've done. Thank you so much for what you've given. Your visit meant a lot to me. I want to spend my life being part of something that brings joy to people far away from here and brings joy to people close at hand. I know that you do too. So I want to challenge myself as I want to challenge you to step increasingly into the generous heart of God. Not to retreat or draw back or say, well, I'm going to play it safe until the end of this pandemic in five years' time. But to put our faith in Jesus Christ. Because God gives the kingdom to those who give it away. Let us pray. God, our Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that in Jesus Christ you've shown us a great story, a great reality of a, a riches-to-rags story. That Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for our sakes became poor, so that by his poverty we will be made rich. Father, I thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, who has brought us from death to life, from darkness to light. Father, thank you that by your Holy Spirit, you have and you continue to work among us as your people, that you are stirring up fresh hope, fresh faith, fresh peace, fresh strength, fresh spiritual authority. Lord, help us to trust not in ourselves, but to trust in you. And Lord, over these days ahead, Lord, as we ask you to speak to us, we pray, Father, that you would speak, that we would listen with clarity, we would have courage to respond. And Lord, we trust that what you've been doing far and near that you will increase, that you will grow, that you will strengthen, that you will continue to send people from foreign lands to hear, to be blessed, that you will continue to send local people from this town to be blessed, and that together we will go out filled with your Holy Spirit in our day-to-day lives with a generous mindset, to be generous with our words, to be generous with our time, to be generous with our prayer, to be generous with our possessions, to be generous with our love, to be generous with the gifts of the Holy Spirit that you have placed in us, that a world in need, a world that is lost, a world that is hurting will be healed, will be encouraged, will be given fresh confidence, will realize that there is hope, there is love, 
there is grace. And may all the glory go to your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So let us uh, stand together and at this point declare